Well, hello and welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. My name is Brandon. Today we have a very unique guest. His name is Charles Chigeni. He is a self-proclaimed packaging hater and judger. He has very strong opinions about packaging, uh, the way stream, the way people interact with packaging, design it, create it. He's been in the packaging industry for a long time, mostly on the engineering machine side of things. But, uh, you know, I think it's good to talk with people that have strong viewpoints on on the world of packaging and wanted to share this with you all. So hope you enjoy. Here we go. Hey, Charles, welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Thanks, Brandon. So I've heard from you that you are a packaging hater. Is that right? And a judger. Hater and a judger. Yes, I am. Could you kind of define or explain what that means? Well, I don't think people need a lot of explanation about what hating and judging is. Maybe just as it relates to packaging? Well, um, put it this way. I think packaging sucks. It's a waste of it's a waste of space, it's a waste of money. I know a lot of well, companies use it as a way to trick children into buying sugary um, cereals, but usually we aren't buying packaging. But yet there's so much time and money put into making sexy packaging, but to what end? It's utilitarian, but we want to make it something else. I guess, put it this way, we want to polish a turd, and packaging is really a turd. Okay, so so from that one, it sounds like you're a hater and a judger of packaging that is misinforming customers about the product that maybe lies inside. You can say it that way, but I think it's so much packaging is not what it needs to be. It's overthought of, it's over complex, it's it's trying to do jobs that it really doesn't need it to um, to do. I mean, how much packaging could just be done with a simple plastic bag? Okay, so you're also a hater and a judger of packaging that's maybe like overdone or is beyond functional, like the core functional needs of it when it starts getting into the aesthetic designs and kind of the over packaging of items. That's you're also a hater of that. Yeah. Yes, I am. And uh, yep. And uh, let's see what, uh, but so much of the design of the actual product, you could be much more clever and actually put in some of the design features or the packaging features in the design itself and eliminate so much of the uh, need of the, of external packaging. For example, a banana, I mean, it comes with, with its own uh, packaging an orange. Yeah. The whole uh, debate about the, the Saran plastic, you know, the plastic wrapped banana prevent food waste because it extends the life like 14 days and you know well i mean let's be honest about bananas they're extending the life of it by picking it green and then adding a bunch of chemicals to it yeah i I love those chemicals as much as the next guy but (laughs) sometimes great well that's good so i mean i mean to me it's less of a packaging in general packaging hater but it's more of a that you're looking at the industry of packaging and you're seeing the amount of waste, the amount of, you know, potentially just misleading information or mismarketing, like the excesses of packaging are what you're really against because you are in favor of like functional core packaging that it's necessary for products, right? Yes. But I think if you're the designer of a package or that you should always say no. That should always be our first instinct is to say no, but it isn't. I am also um, a big hater and a judger of things that aren't functional. Like how many times have we've gone and bought some some little 
thing. Um, we had to get out the old uh, knife and cut open the packaging because it just wasn't easy to open. But recently, I had to go on a trip and I forgot my mouse. So I bought a, a mouse from a store and it came with a ultrasonic sealed packaging where I had to get a knife. And well, since I was traveling, I didn't have a knife, thanks TSA. And um, to open it, it wasn't a well-designed package to open for design for use. Charles, I don't necessarily, I mean, the things you're identifying, I think most people would take a look at and be like, yeah, I'm also, I'd also don't like those things too. I don't think you're as radical as you think you are. Well, uh, <laughs> give me some time to start throwing some uh, haymakers. Okay. All right. So it's too early in the conversation. to. But I also think too, it, it's, let's go to a subject that I know way too much about for a guy who doesn't drink coffee, Nespresso capsules and K-cups. That's all. They're wrapping a few cents of coffee around very expensive and complex packaging. If you look just at the Nespresso capsule, you've got an aluminum formed cup that has a filter in it that's got coffee in it, that's got a aluminum foil sealed on top of it. And people don't know about this a lot of times. It's packed in a nitrogen rich atmosphere or yeah, usually a nitrogen rich atmosphere to extend the life of the coffee. So now they've packaged this, I don't know, several tens of grams of coffee in a very heavy and um, difficult package. That always ends up in the landfill or oceans and waterways. There's no end of life situation where that thing is ever being recaptured as well, right? Well, it's aluminum. You could just melt it all down, but you're going to burn up everything else in it. But yeah, it's a nice thing. They have very nice, slick coffee machines and sexy um, cups that you can go and drink with your pinky fingers. Uh, you can drink your coffee with your pinky fingers out. But they're using this to push something else. I mean, it's it's a functional design, yes, but to what end? They've made the package itself the product, which I think is kind of um, backwards. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it certainly speaks to the the excessive demands of and the need of packaging in order to make people's lives quote unquote more convenient or easier right Mm -hmm. but i don't know we can go into all sorts of uh theoretical uh and uh philosophical debates off of that one but at the end of the day it's packaging we're buying the thing in the package so well we're buying both i mean when consumers buy a product they're buying the product but they're also buying the packaging that comes with it and with it becomes the responsibility of okay i'm you know, I'm choosing this product, but I'm choosing the packaging format that it comes in. And now it's my responsibility to potentially, you know, hopefully the brand is communicating this on the label itself, but then what do I do with the packaging with it when I'm done? Can it be recycled? Will it be recycled? Should I just throw it away? Is there another format that I can buy the same product in that's more friendly to the environment? Right? I think the one thing about packaging is everyone's like, oh, we should recycle. No one's recycling. (laughs) I totally agree. The recycling rates are abysmal. They're depressingly low. And why aren't we recycling? Because it's a pain. And why is it a pain? Because we've made our packaging the priority and not the recycling part of it. Totally agree. I think the entire system of packaging and the end of life scenario, and I think you would agree with this, needs to be redone. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. See, again, I don't think you're as much of a hater as you think you are. You show me a package, I will find a way to hate you. <laughs> so when you go to the grocery store, you're in like hell at that point. Yes, and it's gotten so bad, my wife just doesn't take me. 
man. So I guess like I'll find something and I'll just start to complain about how poorly the the design of it is. Yeah. All right. So let's back up a little bit. Give everyone a little context here. What's your background in in packaging, packaging design, packaging development? What's your background? So I am a mechanical engineer. I have both an undergraduate degree and a master's degree in mechanical engineering with a focus in on design and manufacturing. I have spent the last too long involved in packaging, the design of products that go in packaging, packaging, manufacturing lines for packaging, packaging, manufacturing equipment. So that's kind of my, my side is, so how do you package your widget? How do you, how do you make a line that's going to package 10 widgets per hour, 100 widgets per hour, a million widgets per day. Very much design and manufacturing background. At what point did you kind of realize, I mean, I think this might be a characteristic of most engineers, but I might be stereotyping here, of approaching packaging from a kind of a a minimalist, purely functional standpoint. I wish there was like a day I could uh, refer to my journal and say on this day. It's your fifth birthday party. You you decided then and there. Yeah. So when I was... uh, Getting my master's degree, I took a class which I thought I would absolutely hate called human factors. And at that point, I started to become very interested in on not just the mechanical design on how do you how do you solve problems, but on the human machine, human product interaction. And I started to come up with um, rules as I went through my career that I call design for use um, ideas. But as I dealt with things over and over, I just started thinking, boy, everything we want to do is so problematic. We want to take something that should be an easy solution, and we either try to over-engineer it, over-design it, or it becomes something that's left till the absolute last minute. And then we just try to find the quickest and easiest thing off the shelf that we can. And um, But that took several years, but I'd say the last 10 years, I've been pretty much anti-packaging. And a goal to reduce to just the bare functional requirements of what potentially would be needed in a modern society. Yes, but there's the functionality of the the package itself, the packaging itself, but also how do you use the packaging? How does the end customer use it? So to me, those are two very big things. So I'm guessing that when packaging is being designed, developed, during the initial processes, when everything's kind of coming together, that you would be a strong proponent for looking at the end of life scenarios and optimizing that package for not only the use that the consumer is going to go through, but then what is highly likely going to happen at the end of life to try to recapture that material and get more value out of it, either through recycling or reusing or... Well, I think the best way to recycle is not to use it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean reducing or reusing or not having to use it in the first place obviously eliminates any need for recycling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we have to use it and it's a functional thing, then mm-hmm. recycling is kind of the last ditch effort to try to recapture that material and right. create a second life out of it. Yeah. Well, recycling, uh, recycling is always problematic. It's something we all uh, want to uh, virtual signal with, but we ever really do it. Yeah. You mean like consumers actually recycling or the whole industry of recycling? Industry will recycle if they can make if they can make money on it. But the consumer. Yeah. And that's a really interesting shift that I think that I like your perspective on because what we're seeing a lot of here is 
there's a growing demand for consumers to want to buy quote unquote more sustainable or what I'd say less harmful packaging. There's a lot of greenwashing that's happening, tricking consumers into thinking. By greenwashing, do you mean lying? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just as long as we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Greenwashing. I think it's a more specific lie, but it's a intentional misleading through deception into having convincing someone that something is more eco-friendly or less harmful than what it actually is. Mm -hmm. A term to describe a very specific lie, if that helps. Okay, as long as we're on, as long as we're on the same page about lying. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think it's important to define terms. And so as the demand for let's just say recycled content in plastic like bottles or bags or whatever. And so, you know, brands and retailers are saying, hey, we got to get to 50% PCR content. So now the recycling stream is capturing more of this recycled content and processing it and using it. Is that a good thing? Or do you think that is just all bad? I think it's all bad. Why is that? All these ideas, they're all nice ideas, but how do they come into reality? How do I, as someone on the go, really recycle something? Well, if there's no financial benefit to me, why would I do that? If it's not easy or convenient, why would I do that? If it's not easy or convenient for municipalities, why would you do that? So like where I'm from in, in uh, Utah, yeah, you have these recycling uh, containers, but most people just use them as a second garbage can. Yeah. Because it's more convenient to use that than other things. And when you go and see like, oh, when you're out and about um, and you see like, okay, put plastics here and waste here and something else there. Are you going to do that while you're busy? Or are you just going to take a um, half-hearted attempt to uh, do it? And then you mix these things up. It needs to be easy. And I think that's where they talk about all these different chains and reducing all these things. They're reducing it, but to what for? Yeah. Like, oh, let's say I reduce my um, packaging waste footprint, but I add a material that's harder to recycle. Is that really the best way to do it? Yeah. My footprint's reduced, but let's say I throw in a PVDC material into my packaging, which is difficult to uh, recycle. Is that very good? Yeah. It reduces my footprint, but is that any better? I think that's a valid point in that, you know, obviously the, there's a massive problem that we're, we're trying to solve here, right? Like we have a packaging waste problem. And I would say that you're highly focused on the solution of the front end of using as little packaging as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, there's the old adage that 80% of a manufacturing problem is defined in the first 20% of the design. I think that's the same with recycling and packaging. Yeah. It's on the design side. Yeah. Yeah. And when we set arbitrary goals of we're going to reduce it to this amount and you give an engineer that, okay, yeah. I'll hit that target, but what at what cost and what end? Yeah. Like if all I'm using is numbers of mass or volume or something, those don't mean anything really. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, in looking at the problem and looking at where we need to kind of get to, whether it's reusing materials or recapturing and recycling, I understand that. Or, big, big, or make bigger landfills. Or make bigger landfills. So I'm guessing that while you're kind of looking at the problem, you are recognizing that, that there are little steps or little progressive steps that can be made, that need to be made before there's kind of wholesale change. Or maybe the question that I'm trying to ask is, how would you, how would you solve this? 
how would I solve it? Yeah, like how would you recommend to a company to to be a little bit more sustainable today? Or when they're selecting packaging or choosing packaging materials, like, you know, what are the little things that that brands can potentially do to make things better? We know the big thing is don't use packaging at all. But if they can't do that and it's necessary, what would you kind of recommend as some of the good or progressive steps that could be could be taken? I think a lot of it needs to be simplicity. Like let's not use a lot of these difficult to recycle materials like um, five layer films, nine layer films. Those all have their, their issues and their difficulties. Yes, they have their place, but there's a lot of simpler um, packaging. One of the things I thought was very interesting uh, going to Europe where packaging is a much bigger deal because the individuals have to pay for their own uh, volume of waste is the use of aluminum foil in packaging. Like a lot of times if you go buy a sandwich from places, they pack it in aluminum foil. When you're done with that, you, you ball it up, you know what you have. You have an aluminum and there's aluminum recycling there. But even um, in the U.S., you just throw that into the uh, your garbage can, don't pull the aluminum out. Use simple materials, I think. That's what I would say is use simple materials. I mean, wood's a great material. Cardboard's a great material. Let's use more of those. Let's not let's not do the Apple thing and make everything very white and um, expensive on that one, which just makes it harder to recycle. Just let's keep things basic. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of making things simple. Again, I think you know a lot of the things that you're saying, I think a lot of people are trying to accomplish right now in material selection and design. I think you have a lot of friends out there. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's funny because I've talked to other people in the packaging world and I'm I'm like, yeah, okay. I love the, the nine layer film. That's cool. I mean, from a technical process to make nine layers of film, that's awesome. Yeah. But is it really what we need all the time? Yeah. Yeah. One of my pet peeves when it comes to those different kind of materials too, and, and is, you know, going from a multi-layer coax material tube and then going to a mono material plastic tube and then quote like calling it recyclable. And um, there's a lot of people that think that anything that is mono material should be deemed recyclable because technically there is a way in which it could be recycled. But I mean, the truest form or the truest definition of recyclable is if it can actually be collected, has a high likelihood of being collected, processed reused and then resold into the marketplace, which will never happen with a monomaterial tube. So we shouldn't call those things recyclable. Yeah. But then that goes back to the whole greenwashing. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have a feeling bugs you a lot. Um, I'm okay with the lying. I just wish we were honest with it. <laughs> honest about our lying. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of a Simpson, uh, a Simpsons from way back when, and I don't even remember all of it, but Bart asked somebody, he's like, he says, something about, yeah, we're doing this, right? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I just want to be on the same page. So they gave it a very fancy title. He goes, yeah, we're just lying, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As long as we're on the same page about the lies that we're telling. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of my, uh, my point. I also think it's very interesting in packaging. Everything tries to go to the same form factors. There's so many people out there trying to sell equipment to do, oh, yeah, we do we do filling of these type of containers and we do palleting of these type of containers, which I think is very interesting because of the packaging equipment. A lot of companies get pigeonholed on what they can package, which I think is also problematic. Yes. Is okay. Now their basic unit of cell becomes what they can put in these bolt containers. They're these bolt packaging. They they're assigned to be. Yeah. That's actually one of the biggest reasons that our 
our company has stayed out of owning manufacturing equipment. We've stayed strictly on the on the distribution side. So we're just brokering it because. But even then, you you are, are caught by the fact that there's certain standards that everyone's trying to play in, and people package into those standards. Yes and no. I mean, I would say that we're more free than a traditional manufacturer in that we can pivot and you know based on what our customers or the industry or what we ourselves are trying to accomplish from a sustainable packaging standpoint that we can pivot and partner with packaging manufacturers that are aligned more with doing things the right way. So either producing, you know, like switching from a plastic something to an aluminum bottle that is, you know, highly likely to be recycled and it's infinitely recyclable. So like that switch could potentially be a, you know, a more sustainable option. Well, I was more meaning like the boxing equipment at the end. Let's say we make, mm. let's say we make so many tubes of, I don't know, shampoo and the boxes kind of come in standard sizes. The equipment are built around these standard sizes. So then you put 22 shampoos in this uh, container. Got it. Okay. And then that gets shipped out and now the store's got 22 shampoos. And that's, and why is that a bad thing? I think it's the fact that we have, we're, pigeonholed by the form factors that the manufacturing equipment is selling. But wouldn't you say those foam f- those form factors have been determined to be the most efficient way of distributing that product? I don't think that's the case at all. I think those are just things that people uh, grandfathered in and just started to run with. I've seen that a lot too. Yeah. These machine builders have their little products they're trying to sell. And when, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Speaking of grandfathered in, because there is a lot of old school packaging thought that I know I have run into quite a bit, especially on social media channels like LinkedIn. I'm guessing you've been confronted with a fair amount of that as well. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend dealing, and this is kind of more of a general thing, but maybe for the packaging professionals that are listening to this, how would you recommend kind of working with or trying to change people's minds when it comes to packaging, old school packaging people? Wait till they die. Charles, you can't say stuff like that. Um, <laughs> What's your second option? Wait till they retire. <laughs> Just keeping working down the list here. And your number three? Let's see. We'll have to go to the uh, win fr- how to win friends and influence uh, people book. <laughs> On that one, I think, how do you deal with a, that's a very interesting question. And since you've taken my two favorite uh, answers away. Not not a way. I gave them first and second place. We're just going for going for the third place one. Okay, so you want my bronze medal? Yeah. Huh. That's it. I think that one you start having to really try to uh, break the mold, show what else is possible. So many people are limited on what they've seen. One of the things I think is a very good um, a very good mantra is most people are the state of Missouri. They have to be shown. So show what's possible. For example, I. Uh, I worked. I work on a packaging, a very difficult packaging problem that we are packaging a medical diagnostic in vacuum, and it has to keep vacuum. Very difficult. When you go to most of the packaging people and say we need something to do this, they look at you cross-eyed and think you have four heads, because not no one packages in vacuum. Nature abhors vacuum. You get lots of things that are um, packaged in over-pressured or they're packaged in um, inert gases or something, but very, very rarely is anything ever packaged with vacuum. And uh, we had a package factor and everyone was set with that. And 
I just thought, okay, let's do a couple of things. Let's get rid of some of our packaging parts because our packaging really consisted of three of three materials. So, okay, let's try something else. And the best way to do that was to prototype. So spent a lot of time and effort and money prototyping what we could do. And there was a very compelling case on why what we wanted to do was the better one, the better solution. But unless we had something in our hands, it was hard to show. So I think that's where things go down to is you have to have things in your hot little hands. I mean, 3D printing is great because then you can get something in. Other prototyping methods to physically show people, okay, this is what we're talking about. And try to get it as close to your final product as possible because people, especially once you get outside of the engineers, they aren't very abstract. You may uh, sketch a uh, stick person, but they may not see that stick person. So I think that's what I would say is prototype physically. Far too often in our modern worlds, we want to sit behind our computer and just solid model. And solid model and solid model. Everything looks great on the computer. It's once it becomes a physical reality, then we start seeing the issues. When I first got out of school, I worked at the Idaho National Laboratory. And I was working on the Yucca Mountain Waste Depository Project. It's basically the U.S. built a very large hole that we're going to stick all the nuclear waste in. And I was working on nuclear waste packages. So they would put these um, spent nuclear fuel rods in these packages. And I think I had, I don't know, a 21-inch monitor. And I was working on these waste packages. And everything looked to me like it fit on my 21-inch monitor. But in fact, I was working on things that would be seven feet in diameter and like 21 feet long. But to me, it was it fit in my computer screen. It was that big. So that's my thought on that. Well, I know uh, I know you're a busy guy and we don't have a lot of time. I've really enjoyed everything so far. No that it's a bunch of packaging loving people that have tuned in to listen to a packaging hater, which we've actually been able to find some common ground in, been able to clarify that a little bit. To me, I really like talking about the packaging equipment. How do you do things in hundreds and thousands of quantities, which is so, I mean, I think that's the packaging we're really talking about. Yeah. Packaging that's done in extreme quantities that needs to be recycled. I think the equipment behind that's very interesting. Really? How so? Um, how do you do things at that speed? How do you do things in incredible speeds? For example, if you go to the supermarket, you'll find all sorts of meats and cheeses and that are packaged in plastics that have been form-filled and sealed. I think that's that's pretty cool out there. I mean, I think that's also a very good packaging solution is going towards these form fill seal machines where, yeah, you're using vacuum and you're contouring your product, your packaging to the uh, to what it's packaging. Like when you buy cheese, that packaging fits the cheese almost exactly. Just so I'm kind of bringing it back to what, where we first started. If you had to describe optimal packaging, would that be the closest thing that you could think of? Something that is vacuum sealed form fitting to the actual product with minimal advertising and marketing on it. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty good packaging, but how many, like so many cheeses now want to have be bought, have a plastic formed package and then they're put in a box, especially the more fancy cheeses. Yeah. Because they're trying to tell their story to consumers in the grocery store who are drawn to colorful, bright things. And some consultants have determined that that is, Magic beans. That's the part that just drives you crazy, doesn't it? 
Well, I, I do love the fact that people are selling magic beans. <laughs> Charles, has anyone ever told you that you have a dark sense of humor? Not today, but yes. <laughs> I did have someone say that, tell me that I can say the meanest things. I can try to be very funny with a straight face and they don't know if I'm joking or not. Oh, I can see that a little bit. Well, great. Well, I think we've run out of time for today, Charles, but uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks a lot for sharing. I know there's a whole lot more that we could talk about, but really appreciated your thoughts on these things. No problem. Thank you. Great. All right. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Packaging Brothers podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to Charles and uh, he certainly humored me. I hope uh, you all enjoyed his uh, dark humor there a little bit. Um, Hopefully it came through on the audio. We were doing a video call so I could see his face and I'm realizing now that you couldn't see his facial expression. So hopefully, you know, it comes across. I think overall, the takeaway for me on this episode was, you know, approaching packaging design from a more simplistic, minimalistic standpoint, you know, is generally a great policy when it comes to developing more sustainable packaging. So we'd love to hear your thoughts and your takeaways as well. And until next time, take good care. Bye now.